0: It is so fun to worship in the house of the God, is it not? Uh, it's fun. It's okay to smile during worship, man. It's, it's, uh, it's a joy to come before the Lord and sing that he is greater, he is stronger, he is higher than any other. Uh, to sing that he is Jehovah Jireh, the God that leadeth thee. Would you guys thank even the choir for their ministry this morning? That was And now i got a bone to pick with Mark because he's the one that puts the service order together. And you made me preach after those testimonies? Like, what am I supposed to say now? Thanks for being here this morning. Have a great day. (laughs) That's all I got. Uh, Here's what we're going to do. What we're going to do is is we're going to try to understand what the Scripture says about life transformation. What the scripture says about life change. So when you see these people up here and and you hear Calvin talking about dying to self and and becoming second and letting Jesus be first. When you hear these, uh, you know, Linda and and others talking about giving their life to Christ and saying, I can walk in faith. I can trust him. What does the scripture really say about that? And how, how does that even really happen? And the first thing that we're going to start with is this one statement that we talk about a lot around here, and it's this. What you believe determines what you do. What you believe determines what you do. So if you believe the right thing, you have a really good chance that you will do the right thing. But if you believe the wrong thing, if you believe the wrong thing, the only opportunity you have to do the right thing is just by luck. Just by sheer chance. And so you heard in those testimonies people talking about, I believed that Christianity was this. For Calvin, I, I believed that it was, it was. Doing the things that God wanted me to do and checking off a list and going through this rigorous list of things and obeying and going to church. You hear him talk about 25 Easters and 25 Christmases and singing the songs. You hear Krista talking about that Jesus is more than a song. He's, He's more than just going to church. But I believe for a time that that's all it was. Or you hear uh, Linda and the others talking about that, that. I believe God was far off. I mean, it, it, it represents. I mean, I jotted this down in my notes before I even uh, heard these testimonies. Before I read these testimonies, these are th- kind of three things that I see people believing about Christianity that are just simply not what the Scripture teaches. One is God is the secret ingredient to kick my life up a notch. You know, when you taste a guacamole or a salsa, what is that secret ingredient? You throw a roast in the crock pot when you come to church and you go on, with this. There's a secret ingredient. And so God is the secret ingredient for life to kick your life up a notch. But what happens when you add that secret ingredient and the notches don't kick? Now we're in trouble, right? Now it's going to cause us to do the wrong thing because we believed the wrong thing that God is the secret ingredient to kick my life up a notch. That's not what the scripture teaches. Number two, God is up there or he's out there. He's distant. He's separate. I mean, he cares and he exists, but he's not really intimately involved. See, if I believe that, then accountability disappears because God isn't really near anyway and I start to live for myself. Misconception number three, Christianity is about obedience. You heard that in the testimony. That I believed Christianity was about obedience and what I recognize that really it's about grace. It's about grace. It's about undeserved favor. It's about God loving me and calling me his own based on nothing I did to impress him. Here's what it really comes down to. This, this is what Christianity is about. And if you're jotting down notes this morning, just jot down these two words. New life new life that's what jesus is about new life it's not behavior modification it's not mental assent to a set of facts it's not agreeing that there is a god it's about completely becoming a new creation in christ i'm not a life verse guy but if i was a life verse guy i would uh, galatians 2:20 would be my life verse if you've got your bible open it up to galatians 2:20 it's about i don't know 80% of the way through your bible If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat back in front of you. If not, you can look right up here on the screen. We've got the scripture up here on the screen. Here's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Here's what the scripture says about what it means to be a Christ follower. What is the invitation that Christ is extending? Here it is. It's Paul's declaration, Galatians 2.20. He writes this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's a progression here in Galatians 2.20. It's kind of a three-parter. So we're just going to take each part at a time to make sure we understand the invitation that Jesus is extending. Part one, Paul says this, we are crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. That's the first words of Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying that the old me is dead. The old me is not just forgotten, not just kind of I'm over it, I'm over the old me. It's not just ancient history, but the old me is dead and gone. I have been crucified with Christ. Who I used to be is dead. And why does that even matter? Why does that even matter? It matters because the shame of your past is dead because that person is dead. That person that was once destined for an eternity apart from Christ is actually dead and gone. You ever have a, like one of your embarrassing moments in your life pop in your head out of nowhere? You ever have that happen to you? Like you're minding your own business, walking through the grocery store, you're picking up celery or peanut butter or whatever it is you are picking up, and all of a sudden, like an embarrassing moment pops in your head out of nowhere. Is it just me? Does that just happen to me? Did it happen to anybody else? I was telling, I was telling Mark before that uh, one time I was leading worship and I was coming up on stage and, uh, and I missed the step coming up on stage. And so I just completely bit it. Like I ate it, my teeth and lips, nose, everything, right into the edge of the next step that I was supposed to be walking up on. So bloody nose, bloody lip, and it was, our God is greater, our God is stronger. And so I come up to get my guitar, my guitar was unmuted, and then I tripped on my guitar cord. And my, and my guitar, bang, you know, the whole thing. It was like a thousand people in the room. So I have to walk up to this microphone and, and wipe away blood, <laughs> and then say, stand and worship with me this morning, you know. Sometimes those embarrassing moments pop out of my he- pop in my head out of nowhere, no prompting, no nothing, and I actually find myself physically kind of responding to it. Like my head will go like this, like ugh, or I'll kind of squint or squirm, or I'll even audibly respond, ugh, ugh. Does that ever happen to you? Oh, just me, just me, apparently. Here's the deal: what if what if those embarrassing moments that pop in your head aren't just embarrassing, but they're shameful? When it comes from a bad decision, bad decision or a sinful attitude or a mark or an internal rebellion against God and those things that pop in your head about your past, about who you used to be and things you've done, they pop in your head and you think ugh, ugh, ay, that's me. That's who I am inside. And you go to God and you say God, he goes oh yeah yeah, yeah. I love talking about that person. That person's dead. <laughs> Gone. That sin is is forgotten about, that action is forgiven, and that person that you're talking about who did that, said that, thought that, had that motivation, that person is dead, God says. For I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. My old self, All that shame, all that sin, all that brokenness. Not just forgotten, not just on the outskirts, not just tucked away and ignored. Dead, gone. I am crucified with Christ. Number two, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. This is part two. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Okay, okay, so my old self is gone, is dead and gone, and Paul says... I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What does this mean? It means that where my old self used to be, there's a new creation in its place. It means that my relationship with Jesus changes me at my very core. It changes the substance of who I am, not just my behavior. This is why you see people come to Christ start to see things change in their life that, that that come from their very core it's not just their behavior on their outside it's the stuff that comes from deep within us that begins to change because their old self is gone and there's a new creation in its place that's why you see people who know Jesus their affections start to change their emotions start to change their relationships begin to change those things come from the core of who we are and Jesus changes us at our very core the old self is dead and gone and there's a new creation in its place Jesus changes us on the inside this is why we do baptisms you know the word baptism in the scripture it just means to dip it means to immerse it's not a churchy word and we use it in church all the time if you hear that word baptism or baptized you think of church typically We don't baptize at like, you know, country clubs and things like that. We baptize in church. And it's a churchy word. We put churchy meaning to it. And that's okay. I'm not against that. All I'm saying is the original word just means to dip. And when the Bible talks about baptism, about immersing someone or dipping someone, it doesn't always talk about what you saw here today. It does talk about that. That's why we did it. And we'll get there in a minute. But it talks about being baptized, being dipped or immersed into Christ. Look at what Romans 6 says. It's up here on the screen. Paul says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized, that's dipped or immersed into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? That means the old self is dead and gone. We were buried, therefore, by, with him by baptism, that's being dipped or immersed into death, in order that Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Here's what Paul is saying. We've been immersed into Christ. We've been dipped into Christ. And and here's what we know about dipping. Because I just, I love this image, this immersing image. If you take bread and dip it into water, what happens? One, water changes the substance of an object, not just its function. Think about that for a minute. If I dip bread into water, it changes the substance of the object, not just the function. So if I wanted to have bread function as sandwich bread and I dip it into water, I cannot use it for that function anymore. Correct? Right? But if I dip it into water, you know what else changes? The very substance of it changes. It starts to fall apart. Things happen to it. It's not just the function that changes. It's the substance. Incidentally, once you dip bread, you can't undip it. (laughs) You can't wring it out. Number two, an object that, that is immersed into water, dipped into water, is impacted to the very core. Not just on the surface. Water permeates to the very core of the object. The same goes for us. When we are immersed into Christ, baptized into Christ, dipped into Christ in a spiritual way, two things happen. It changes the very substance of who we are, not just our function, although it does change that, it changes the very core, the very substance of who you are, number one, and it changes us down to the very core. Christ permeates us to the very deepest parts of who we are. This is why Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this so plainly. It's up here on the screen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if they've been baptized in Christ, immersed into Christ, he is a what? New creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. In Galatians part two of the verse we're looking at today, Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I've been dipped into Christ. My substance has changed. My function has changed. He has permeated me to my very core. I'm not just different on the surface. My old self is dead. I've been immersed into Christ, and I am different, and I am new. It's part two. Part three, Paul says this, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the old me is dead, I've been dipped into Christ spiritually and a new creation is formed and now what difference does that make? What well, makes all the difference in the world because now I live by faith? Paul says, now he lives this life by faith. I love that phrase, by faith. Paul is saying that his daily experience is one of trusting in the work of Christ that made him a new person. Putting his trust in Jesus. You heard in one of those testimonies, I love that image. I'm like a little toddler just following in dad's footsteps. That's that's faith. That's the faith of a child following after a father, following after Jesus, living by faith and trusting him. When I'm tempted to go my own way, I live by faith and trust that his way is better. Think about all the places that that one statement applies, all the places in your life. When I'm tempted to go my own way, I live, I choose to act, speak, behave, think, respond by faith, trust that God's way is better. So listen, in a difficult marriage, I live by faith and trust that His way is better. In the way I spend, I live by faith. And trust that his way is better. When my job isn't what I hoped it would be, I live by faith and trust that his way is better. Single people, when I'm tempted to get into a relationship that isn't good for me, I live by faith and I trust him that his way is better. In how I parent, in my work habits, when my emotions feel overwhelming, I live by faith and trust that his way is better. And do you know who would not want to live by faith? Old you. But old you's dead. And there's a new creation. And we can live by faith, trusting in God that His way is better in every area of our life we are tempted to go our own way do our own thing and trust in our understanding rather than God's and Paul says that person is dead and crucified with Christ a new person exists it's no longer you who live but Christ lives in you now live by faith in God's new trajectory for your life and trust him that his way is better this is the gospel we're going to sum it up together here this is the gospel this is what Galatians two twenty says One, two, three. Parts one, two, and three. Here they are. The old me is dead. A new creation is formed. Now Christ lives his life in me. That's all it is. If you're taking notes, jot those three things down. The old me is dead. A new creation is formed. Now Christ lives his life in me. For I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live now... I live in faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Old me is dead. New creation is formed. Now Christ lives his life in me. We we recognize that on a Sunday morning there's a lot of folks here who maybe have never trusted in Christ before. Maybe never said yes to him. Maybe you're here each and every week like Calvin talked about. You're here every week and never really said yes to Jesus and accepted that invitation of grace and finding new life in him, especially on a baptism Sunday, because a lot of friends and family and things come out, and and, and they see people get baptized, and that's great. We are absolutely thrilled that you're here. You are welcome here each and every week. But the second thing is, we want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus today. We want to give you an opportunity to say, you know what, I believed something about what this Christianity thing was. I believed something about what the scripture says, and and that that wasn't right. I believed it was about obedience. That's not accurate. I believed it was about God is up there and out there, and I just recognize that he is and he exists. But that's not what the scripture teaches. What the scripture teaches is that the old me can be dead and gone crucified with Christ united with him in his death that he can form a new creation in me when I say yes to his invitation when I say yes to Jesus and now I can walk by faith in Jesus and it's really simple I mean there's there's no trick to it you don't have to you know do a little dance or 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 whatever I mean there's no like boxes to check off all it is is going to God and saying this I say yes to you I say yes to trusting you with my sin. I say yes to trusting you with my life. He hears your thoughts. You don't have to pray it out loud. It's just coming before the Lord and saying, I want to be a new creation. So Jesus, I trust you with my sin. I say yes. I trust you with my life. I say yes. I'm not going to lead you in that prayer this morning. That's between you and the Lord. But if you want to pray that prayer, there'll be pastors down here afterwards. We would love to pray with you. Or you can just pray it on your own. You don't need one of us. We're not special I got an office here. That's it. That's it. This is between you and God alone. And he will make a new creation in you, and you can walk and live by faith and live as an overcomer. Finally, we'll conclude with this. Why in the world would Jesus want us to get baptized? Why in the world? Think about this. Okay, Where else do you watch someone get dunked underwater and everyone claps? Like how weird is this? Do you know what think about this when we're doing this? This seems strange, doesn't it? That we're dunking people like dunk tanks, diving competitions, and SeaWorld. That's about it. That's about it. People go underwater and they come up and we clap for them. Baptism represents, it's a symbol of a couple of things. It, it represents identification with Christ. It also I, uh, represents identification with his church, with the body. So what if you went into Good Life Fitness and you said, I want to become a member of Good Life Fitness. I want to identify with Good Life Fitness. And they said, awesome. You sign the paperwork and payment information, and here's your free T-shirt. Now we're going to take you in the back, and one of our personal trainers is going to dunk you under the water and come out. It's symbolic. You'll love it. It's great. And everyone will clap you would say, I'm going to find another gym. That's really weird. That's really strange. Wouldn't you? I would. Here's why God commands us to be baptized. I'm, I'm abs- I was thinking about this this week. I'm absolutely convinced of this because I'm stupid. <laughs> if you knew me, you would know that. I once walked around with a dryer sheet in my shirt for an entire day. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. I came home to change. I took off my shirt. There was like a dryer sheet fell out. My wife was like, that's, that is crazy that you would, I can't believe, you did you not notice that? Nope, nope, I just walked through my day. And my wife, she loves this name for me, Happy Halfwit. She loves that name because I have so much joy in the Lord. I get up singing and we are one in the spirit, we are one in the Lord. She says, can we be one in the spirit a little later in the morning after I've had my coffee? You know, shut her down. Because I just, I have so much joy in the Lord, but I'm so forgetful. I forget my keys. There's a dryer sheet in my shirt. I just, you know, I I, I once, when I was a kid, I once left my shoes at school and walked home. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, my my brother, my my, my family, I, I think we're all kind of the same way. We're just happy, and we just go about stuff, and we forget. And I think God knew that. I think he knew that we needed some tangible, visible reminders. Because we're forgetful people, aren't we? We needed some tangible, visible reminders. Things that we could see. Things that we could hear. Things that we could even taste and touch. Things that we could experience. So he gave us these gifts of external representations, external reminders. Marriage represents Christ's love for the church, Ephesians 5. Creation tells us about his power and his divine nature, Romans 1. You and I, human beings, represent dominion and, and existing in relationship. We are made in the image of God, so we can look at one another and be reminded of all of the things that God is. Communion, the bread and the cup, represents the body and the blood sacrificed for us. Plants and vegetation, according to John 15 and Psalm 1, show us and remind us of the new life that we have in Christ, abiding in Him. God wills, indeed God delights in using tangible means to draw near to His image bearers. That's you and me. He gives us these reminders because He knows we're just sheep. We are sheep. And that was not a compliment, people. Like, we are forgetful sometimes. And we need these reminders to hold the bread and the cup, to watch people get baptized, to see marriage, to see creation, and to go, ah, I'm reminded of God and his goodness and his faithfulness and his redemptive plan. Thank you, God, for putting visible, tangible reminders in front of me of who you are and what you've accomplished. So if marriage shows Christ in the church, creation shows his power and divine nature, humankind shows his image, communion shows his sacrifice, then what does baptism show? What is it a symbol of? What does it represent? Now watch. For I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live now, I live in faith, in the Son of God who loved me And delivered himself up for me. Going under the water symbolically. Saying the old me is dead. God has formed a new creation in me. Just as I've been dipped in Christ. I am dipped and immersed into this water. I live now by faith, trusting that God's way is better. That's why we go crazy. That's why we clap. Not because there's something special about the water. Not because there's something special about the words we say. There is absolutely something special. Is too, <laughs> it's, there's not even words for it. Why we clap? Because what baptism represents is life transformation. Complete and total change because of Jesus. Let's pray together. God, our prayer today is that as we've experienced these testimonies, as we've experienced baptism, as we've sung to you, as we've lifted you up, God, that each of these things would be reminders. Reminders of our own story, that you affected life change in us. That you transform us, continue to transform us and have transformed us from the inside out. That the old me is dead and gone and you have made me a new creation and now I can live a life in faith and trust in you. God, our prayer this morning is that we would be reminded that our joy would be renewed, that you would create in us a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within us, that you would restore unto us the joy of our salvation as we've heard these stories of salvation today. Remind us, oh God, we are forgetful people. Thank you for the reminders that you're in control and that you affect life change. In Christ's name, God's people together said, amen.